Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. This episode is brought to you by Listen to Paul's Impact. Houston's first radio show dedicated to people living with HIV, their friends and family, every Monday from 7.30 to 9.30 Central Standard Time on Real Talk 100 Radio. You can also find us on all social media under Paul's Impact. That's P-O-Z-I-M-P-A-C-T. And if you happen to miss our show, follow and subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can catch the latest episodes of Paul's Impact. Hey everybody, guess what? I'm disrupting the network marketing, or also known as the multi-level marketing industry as well. ATS Network, it is the brand newest multi-level marketing company that's getting so much media attention and breaking records all over the world. Why? I'll give you six reasons why. For one, it's free to join. That's right. If you want to make money with us, you don't have to pay a dime to join us. Number two, there's no auto ship. That means there's nothing that I'm charging you. And there's also no customer volume requirement. That means you don't have to order $199 worth of a product to get this, whatever, right? If you want all your residual income, it costs you nothing per month. 
whether it be auto ship or customer volume requirements for you to get in here. Number three, you don't have to pay monthly for your website. That's right. No $24.95 a month or all this stuff like that. Number four, there's no obligation or any incentive for you to recruit anyone. Now, I probably should have led with that. Let me say that again. I have the only network marketing company in the world in which you don't have to go out and get three to get three, get three, get three, and all that stuff like that. No recruitment whatsoever. Your mom, your grandmother, or the lady next door can do this. Number five, you never have to get promoted or recruit anyone to the to get the highest level of residual income. Since I don't have distributors and since I don't require you to recruit anyone, guess what? The moment you come in, you can get topped level residual income. And finally, you only have to be an active customer to make money with the company. Check out the show notes, probably the first link, Antonio T. Smith Jr. If you want to be one of the 100,000 millionaires that I want to create, this is where you should be, ATS Network. Link is in the show notes. Love you. You can plant better. You can dominate. Welcome to the Secret to Success Podcast. My entire goal with this podcast is to give you value. That is it. I am not interested in you buying from me. If you want to, you can, but that is not the goal here. If you, I do want you to go to the show notes for people that I interview because I do want you to buy from them or at least follow them. But I'm telling you, I am on a mission to create 100,000 millionaires. This podcast is part of that. Do yourself a favor and get everything that you deserve. Period. Point blank. I want you to get that. In this podcast, whether it be keynotes for me or interviews, millionaires, billionaires, it doesn't matter because we can't teach you anything you don't already know. You just forgot because the world made you forget. I love you. You got this. You're going to get this. This is your moment. This is you. Take notes. Listen to me on your commute. I don't care what you do, but this is yours. I do this for you. Like, if you're on a different platform, share it, subscribe to it, share this, because there's not many people out here doing this here. Got this. Ladies and gentlemen, I've got Jonathan Swain with me. He's getting ready to talk. I'm going to give him a crappy introduction and let him introduce himself. He comes from the world of business, world of investment banking specifically. He's dealt with mergers, acquisitions. He is a leadership coach. He has leadership himself. He's been on, I believe, Fox News, Cheddar, all sorts of stuff. He's seen him on TV. You can see him everywhere and Fortunately for us, you can see him here at the Secret to Success podcast. Jonathan, come on, tell us who you are, man. So I am a guy that is looking to hack the system. I think that's what uh, rocking the recession really comes down to. So talking to you now from my home in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, but was looking, uh, listening to episodes and preparations for today and understand that what the audience really wants to hear about is how do we go from that daily grind, um, from being an entrepreneur building slowly or being a parapreneur and having a side hustle to really being able to springboard into a six-figure, seven-figure income if that's your goal. And a lot of that is by rocking the recession. 
So that's what mm-hmm. I really wanted to, uh, to come on and share today. Man, I love it. And you are one of the crazy people like me and Ray Dalio. I'm looking forward to the recession. Your website literally has the tag. Are you looking forward to the recession? Yeah, you read that, right? Right. I am absolutely for when I I'm looking to be a billionaire after the recession is over because I understand money does disappear, just exchanges hands. So can you, sir, just just give us some information on why would you be looking forward to a recession and someone like me, and then we'll just springboard from there. Great. So recessions don't come around every day. Since the end of World <laughs> War II, we've had 11 of them, and they last on average 11 months. And they provide massive opportunity. If you know what you're doing, if you're prepared for it, then you can leverage them to be able to springboard to new heights. And so I know that there's a lot out there now in the business media. There's a lot of books on how if you just grind long enough and if you slowly um, persist and you work 17 jobs and you never sleep and you keep hustling, then at some point down the road, you'll be good to go. And I look at a recession as an opportunity to really 10x that growth pattern because it is so disruptive. And in the midst of that chaos, in the midst of that money-changing hands, if you are ready for it, then you can do things that you wouldn't normally be able to do. So to be more specific, it's like in a recession, you've got the opportunity to buy a company that you might not otherwise be able to afford if it were in a recession. So, like, for I know um, your audience is worldwide, um, and if you're listening to this, the thought is that in a recession, maybe somebody that didn't listen to our podcast, you know, uh, that didn't uh, prepare for the recession, all of a sudden they go bankrupt or they have a cash crunch and then they're forced to sell their business. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're ready for that, then maybe you can double dutch into that opportunity and be able to afford to buy a company to structure it in a creative way so that you don't even have to come up with a ton of cash to be able to buy a business. Or if you're listening now, I think you've got at least six months to a year until we're in a recession, you can start Mm -hmm. saving up. You can start to put together a war chest to be able to buy another company. And if you're listening and you're like, man, you know, there's no way I'm going to be able to buy a company, then think about maybe buying assets. So, All I mean by that is that in a recession, people need to sell stuff. So maybe you're trying to start a small business. Maybe you want to start uh, a small bakery and you need some baking equipment and it's like $15,000 or $20,000 to get one of those nice commercial ovens. Well, in a recession, it's very likely that people will go out of business and they'll have to sell them for very cheap And so if you're looking at those opportunities, you might be able to pick up one of those ovens that's usually 20,000 for a fraction of that. And then if you're interested, I got a quick story on that. Um, Oh, please, brother. Joe Podcast. In the the last recession, in the Great Recession, back in uh, 2008, 2009, Mm -hmm. I owned um, gyms. So uh, uh, fitness businesses like personal training studios. And uh, Antonio, probably one of the worst things that you can own in a recession is a personal training studio. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to pay for high-end personal training in a no, recession. Not at all. Um, it's, it's a pretty discretionary expense. But 
one of the one of the, the great things that came out of it was that I had a good relationship with my bank, and the mm-hmm. bank would call me when other gyms were going out of business because of the recession, wow. and they would say, "Hey, look, there's uh, a gym. It's in Florida." and they've got $30,000 of equipment, and we know that you own gyms. Would you be interested in buying the equipment? Mm. And so this is uh, a, a real deal. Um, yeah, they called me up and said, we've got all this equipment. They sent me over a uh, spreadsheet in Excel that listed out all the equipment. I looked at it, and I got back to them. I was like, you know, I, I actually am I'm really not all that interested. Don't, you know, if you wanted uh, 1000 bucks." Um, maybe um, that would work for me, but I know that that's, you know, you're mm-hmm. not going to happen. So the the guy at the bank was like, let me call you back in a minute. He called back uh, an hour later and said, if you overnight us a cashier's check for $1,000 and you come pick up the equipment, it's yours. Wow. So, that's way less than pennies on a dollar. So sent him the check. Um, we flew down to Florida. We rented a U-Haul. We drove all the equipment back, and we used it in our gyms, and we sold um, half of it that we didn't um, care for in our gyms. So the point, though, is that those opportunities come up if you plan for them. So there are a few key elements to that story that people listening to this can work on now, and that's how you rock the recession. So you need to have contacts at the bank so that when they've got assets to sell, they think, oh, I know Antonio is trying to start um, a bakery, and this bakery just went out of business in my portfolio. Maybe I'll call Antonio and see if he wants to buy these ovens. Because the banks, they don't want to own ovens. That's not their business. Mm -hmm. And if they have to uh, own the oven, that means they have to take possession of the oven. They have to go pick it up. They have to store it. All those things are expensive, so banks are willing to do crazy deals just to get stuff off their books. So that's one real example and something that people can do is to talk to their bank, um, let them know the kinds of things they're interested in. And, yes, you do have to keep up that relationship. You probably have to touch base with them by email once a month and just say, hey, you know, any of these types of businesses, I'd love to take a look at that. But that's possible. So, uh, you can buy a company in a recession that you might not otherwise afford. You can buy assets. And then the other thing for uh, your audience to think about is, uh, I don't know if you've heard this, Antonio, but it's pretty tough to find good people right now because <laughs> unemployment's low. Does anybody Man. else talk about that on the show? Uh, no, you'd be the first, but I've been trying to hire 22 <laughs> people at $22 an hour for six months now, and I can't. <laughs> So, I think that, you know, the the market um, in the U.S. Um, specifically is at yeah. uh, all-time records for um, how low unemployment is. I know in other countries around the world, um, the employment rates vary. But for yeah. the types of um, labor that we're talking about, what I do know is that in a recession, your A players, your good people, become more available. So say A players are working at a company and it's a recession and they get laid off. Or A players are at their company and they're thinking, man, you know, they don't really seem to have a plan for the next recession. I'm getting a little nervous. I know that guy, Antonio, <laughs> his company's growing. They're they're on their way to a billion. They have on, uh, recession protection. That's where I want to go and be. 
the way that we we get a players is we also have to stay in touch with them. So I guess that's the thing for the audience to consider too, is that you just need to have your list of all the A players that you'd love to hire at some point, and you just need to stay in touch with them because life happens. And if you have mm-hmm. 10 people that you're staying in touch with, odds are one or two per year, life will happen to them. And then they'll mm-hmm. be like, man, I'm going to go call Antonio because it sounds like he's doing big things and I want to be part yeah. of that. Because that's typically how A players find their next opportunity. They don't typically um, go through Indeed. And so I think that's where I see a lot of companies. <laughs> you know, that's right. I mean, that's where that's a, a good lot point, of no, 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 that's good, man. That's good. <laughs> so I know that that's easier, um, but I, I think, indeed, you're trolling through a lot of the, the C players. Um, yeah, so yeah. Just, just want the audience to think that if you want to rock, that some of this is doing the legwork to set yourself up so that when the recession hits, the people that need to sell their business, the people that need to sell their assets, and the people that need um, a better job, a better gig, a better opportunity, will call you. That's but they're not good. going to That's call you unless you, you've set it up. So, Hey, brother, you just taught me something on that one, okay? <laughs> That's the first, the first time it's ever been talked about, and you just, you just, I got 10 people in mind when you would talk it. Now, give us some more nuggets, man. I don't, I don't want to talk much because you're killing this episode, man. I want you to just rock it out. So let me throw you an alley-oop. I'm focusing super big on my distribution system, all right? I want to be able to – I'm increasing my distribution system so when everyone is hurting, I can do more, buy more, and I'm going to 10X my marketing like Grant Cardone would say. What would you say to that? What kind of advice would you give to it? Is it brilliant? Is it dumb? Come on, give us some knowledge on that. So I in the in Rock the Recession in the book, I interview uh Christy Hefner, who mm-hmm. uh took over as CEO of Playboy um and uh was there for a long time. She's a great um female um business leader and uh example for all of us and happens to be a yeah. friend. She's uh chairwoman of the board of one of the companies that I do consulting for. So that's why I was lucky enough to get to to meet her originally. Uh but what she said is that at Playboy in the last recession, they knew they were going to get hit. Um uh, and the reason they knew they were going to get hit hard by the recession was that people go out less um to newsstands in a recession. Um, and so I know that um, the nature of um, the world is changing, and people may not um, even know what a newsstand is. But it, it, <laughs> back back ten years ago uh, in the Great Recession, there used to be newsstands, and people would stop and yeah. pick up copies of yeah, their, yeah. their favorite magazines. So back when our ancestors were living, right? <laughs> so, but if you're in a major city. Uh, if you're in one of the, the big cities, um, in, whether it's in India or China or New York, um, wherever it might be, um, you still know that uh, in uh, urban areas, you still have newsstands. So they knew that traffic was going to go down. Uh, and so they started to market more, and they focused more on their licensing because they knew that the Playboy imprint, the bunny, um, and the logoed items that they sold – would continue to be strong even if traffic in the actual magazine wasn't doing as well. Also, they knew that in a recession, 
everybody stops marketing. And they knew that every dollar they spent would actually have a bigger ROI, a bigger return, because they wouldn't be competing with as many people. So they would be able to get um, commercials on TV for cheaper. They'd be able to get ads in newspapers and other magazines for cheaper. Because less people, that's the tendency, is that people use fear in a recession and they pull back. So that's a long way of saying that I think your strategy of connecting your market, marketing in a recession is brilliant. And uh, I, I, just, I just further want to say that uh, there's academic research uh, that I did um, when I was getting ready to, to publish the book to make sure I'm not just making stuff up, not just using anecdotes. Um, but the <laughs> academic research shows that um, your marketing ROI goes way up in a recession. And so um, it's proven um, that companies that spend more on marketing in a recession um, are more profitable and come roaring out of the recession um, compared to companies that spend the same or that spend less on marketing. Wow. Wow. You're brilliant, man. Okay, two things real quick. One is a notification. Two is an alley-oop. Okay, first notification, I'll be in Cleveland next month. I got to meet Les Brown, Les Brown family, and his youngest daughter, Serena. And so I'll be out there next month. I'll see if I can get in touch with you and grab your beer with you or something like that. That's notification. That's one. Number okay. two, I took my, I took a high-end, five of my, four of my, three, excuse me, of my high-end products. I reduced the price by 99.9%. I really did. I swear to God I did. So now you're talking about $19.99, $49.99, and then I created a whole network marketing company uh-huh, around these products in preparation for the recession to help increase distribution and get other customers. What would you say? Now, of course, ideas are ideas, but what would you say to that strategy how would you give us insights? Well, how would you correct it? Because if you correct it, I'm going to listen. I'm going to take it down. I'm going to do something with it, right? You know what I'm saying? What would you say to all of that that I'm doing? So, again, my uh, I like it from the standpoint that the approach is if you want to rock the recession, what I've learned from studying others that uh, made a lot of money in past recessions mm-hmm. is that they had a plan. They were intentional. And it sounds like you have a plan and you're intentional. You're building up your audience with a lower-priced entry product. And then Mm -hmm. as you develop them, as the audience grows, you'll be able to, in the actual recession, leverage um, that audience that you've built up. So from that standpoint, love it. I think for the audience listening, it's like the first step in this whole rock the recession plan is to assess where you are. And so that's what what we call first gear in the whole rock the recession model is that business owners need to benchmark where they are. So um, there's 20 questions um, on on recession.com. And, yes, that's actually my website. We can talk about how I I came to own that. But you go to (laughs) recession.com slash ready. There's a 20-question assessment. It's free. uh, And it will give you a score from zero to 100. If you get a zero, then you're in big trouble and most likely um, going to be headed for bankruptcy in the next recession. If you score 100, then you're prepared to pounce in the next recession and you can't wait until it happens. So you can benchmark where you're at, where your company's at. That's the first thing. And then the second thing 
is to tune up your business and your personal life. And that's really uh, what you're describing now. And by tune-up, yeah. I just mean what are all the things you can do to prepare so that when the recession hits, you can 10x yourself, you can 10x mm-hmm. your business. So, um, what, you know, you want to have an adequate um, line of credit. So do you have debt or uh, do you have debt available? Do you have a line of credit available? Do you have savings in the bank so that mm-hmm. when the recession hits, and you get those amazing opportunities to buy all your dream equipment for cheap, that you'll yeah. be able to do it. The the other thing, I think you said um, that some of the audience has uh, relatively big businesses. If yep. you have a bigger business and you've got a bank loan and you've got personal guarantees, then now is the perfect time to go back to your bank and ask them to eliminate or to cap your personal guarantees uh, they're not going to do that in a recession. Mm. But right now, the economy is so strong um, around the entire world for the most part that yep. your bank is hungry for your business. Absolutely. And so you can have that conversation to say, look, you know, I, I understand um, that you need, uh, maybe they need some personal guarantee, but maybe you can limit your exposure so that you cap it at a million dollars or 500000 yep. or or 100000 But you can't, uh, your bank's going to laugh at you if you try to have that conversation <laughs> in recession. So, uh, again, it's, it's just a long-winded way of saying that that second gear is to tune up um, your business and your personal life to make sure you're ready. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what you're doing. You're tuning up your business. You're getting ready. You're um, tinkering. And then our third gear is to race. And that's how do you improve your business's productivity how do you streamline things, which is exactly what you're doing. You're getting your distribution yes, ready to be able to handle, you know, uh, amazing growth. Mm-hmm. But right now is the, you want to be racing right now. You don't want to be trying to improve your distribution model in the recession. Because that's, <laughs> that's, when, that's when you should be in fourth gear, which is accelerate. And that's, yeah. the, that's when you're going to pounce because you're going to be busy acquiring other companies. You're going to be busy uh, acquiring assets, you're going to be busy onboarding all those A players. Yeah. And if A players are coming to your company and they're not finding that you've got your your systems and processes buttoned down, they're going to mm-hmm. bounce off you. Good point. Good point. That's probably your strongest point you made so far, and you've been making nothing but good points this whole time. Ladies and gentlemen, his recession website is in the show notes along with his bio. All sorts of stuff is all in the show notes. Now, let's double back real quick because you got to tell us how the hell you got this recession.com because I was super shocked when I said, I said, what is he, like 90 years old? He was the first person to get that domain. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to tell us that story, man. <laughs> so recession, uh, we started with um, the, the book, and we didn't know the exact name, the title of the book. We had a bunch of working titles, and I was uh, so paranoid. And I have a bad habit of drinking sake and buying mm-hmm. domains. That's like my thing. Yeah. So for your that's listeners nice. that might be in Japan, understand that that's what uh, that's how I spend a lot of my evenings is uh, <laughs> sake and great domain names. So I love uh, it. I, so I bought RockTheRecession.com. I bought um, CrushTheTrash.com. I bought DodgeTheDownturn.com because mm-hmm. I like the action verb. 
um, and then I like different um, synonyms for recession right. for potential book names. Um, and then I looked at recession.com, and there was no website there. There was just one of those parked by GoDaddy notices. Mm-hmm. And so reached out, and the uh, the owners of recession.com um, wanted 25000 for the domain. Mm-hmm. And we went back and forth and ended up um, at 18400 So the short story for your audience is that I bought it. Um, <laughs> Then I woke up the next morning and I was like, man, did I really, uh, did I really just do that? So, um, but the, the investment there um, is really more about making it easy for um, the audience to find me. I think for the audience listening in, they should understand that if you buy a keyword domain name like uh, recession.com, then when somebody Googles the word recession, you're competing yeah. with uh, Fox News. You're competing with CNN, CNBC, The Wall Street Journal, uh, New York Times, and they have so many articles and so much content on recessions that I don't show up on the first page. And so I knew that going into it, but I just want to make sure the audience knows that if they're mm-hmm. going to make that kind of investment for a website, to just understand that you're not going to pop up at the top of Google just because you own that domain. That's good. That's a good point. That's a good point. I've got a bunch of people here, man, six figures. Some of them, uh, I have, and I have a bunch of people that are six-figure employees. They work for companies like Sanderson Farms, you know, chicken factories or oil companies. How would you tell, so I guess this is a bifurcated question, how would you tell the six-figure entrepreneur how to leverage the recession of seven figures, and then how would you tell the six-figure employee to leverage this recession to get to a six-figure business? Yeah, so um, the my first thought uh, on the, the six-figure entrepreneur is to think through what industries are really going to take off in a recession. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is that, like, there's uh, – in, in the book on page 171, and it's – I just – was thinking about this. That's why I memorized that page number. I, I was just going to say, wow, well. <laughs> you got the whole book around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but there, there's a table there that um, that I found uh, on IbisWorld.com. And IbisWorld, um, you, you know, you mentioned earlier in the intro that I'm mm-hmm. a recovering uh, investment banker. So <laughs> I, I did that. Uh, but one of the things I learned was industry research. And so I buy – um, a lot of industry research. I don't just use the yeah. free stuff that's on um, that's on the internet. But um, you can buy um, industry research that tells you which industries did really well in the last recession and mm-hmm. which ones um, uh, you want to be placed in. So, for example, in the last recession, um, casinos got pummeled. Uh, jewelry stores got pummeled. Uh, travel and tourism got pummeled. Cruise lines got pummeled. Uh, and uh, personal training gyms, I know from personal experience, got pummeled. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know that was for sure. The things that did really well um, or that at least held steady are things like health um, healthcare. So in a recession, people still need to go to the hospital. Um, and then, uh, like, community colleges did well but four-year universities did not. Makes sense, right? Because four-year universities are expensive, but 
people yeah. still education is important, so maybe um, you move downstream on that. So, uh, and then there are some weird ones, which I think is really the interesting part. So, uh, if you're listening to this and you're trying to take your entrepreneurship from six figures to seven figures, where can you place yourself where the recession is going to give you a tailwind? So think yeah. through things like veterinary uh, clinics. I like to bring that one up because it was weird to me when I read about it in the she research. But when, when you think through it, people still, um, if your dog gets sick, even if we're in a recession, people will put that on a credit card. They don't care. Mm. So if you can do business, if your product or your service can work for veterinary clinics, then hopefully that will help you to hold steady. If you're currently selling your product or service to jewelry stores, then you can expect that it's going to be a rough ride through the next downturn. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think that's the big thing. The other One of the other trends that I love to bring up is tortillas. So tortilla mm -hmm. manufacturing is experiencing crazy growth right now. I don't know if it's um, if people love tortillas. Um, so people love burritos. Um, and yeah, so thinking through a niche like that, it just it allows you to say, okay, uh, I've got a service helping to clean, um, you know, manufacturing facilities. Maybe I focus on the burrito, uh, the, the tortilla manufacturing facilities, and I don't focus as much on the other manufacturing facilities that are currently experiencing a recession. So part of it is just really thinking through, Antonio, what industries do you want to be lined up with and right. which ones are going to be the big winners in the downturn? That's good, man. That's good. I tell you what, we both, uh, I mean, you're dropping a lot of knowledge. So let's split this this last 20 minutes up or 15 minutes up into two pieces. That's all you. Free talk, like just without structure, your knowledge, however you want to, you know, give your knowledge and promote yourself and all that stuff. Give us some knowledge for as long as you want on recessions and tips, your company, all that stuff. You get the free talk, just run that man and we'll just come back and do it one more time. Okay. One, one of the things that I, I was thinking about um, for uh, the audience that is listening and they're like, you know, the recession guy is good. He's got some good tips, but, I don't think there's going to be a recession um, anytime soon in my, in my country. So, yeah, so they, they may be like, you know, look, I understand, but um, in the U.S., the economy is strong. Um, it, even in China, the economy is strong. It's shown some signs of slowing down some, but it's still growing. And so mm -hmm. if you're out there and you're like, you know, oh, why should I keep listening or care? I think one of the big things for me is that a recession isn't just economic. So, Antonio, let me give you a couple examples I was thinking of while I was, uh, sure. I was flying home last night. The, like the, the first, like uh, if, if the government in your country changes the regulation, it could put your company into a recession. And so some real-world examples. One company that I work with doing consulting stuff uh, is a landscaping company. They do commercial landscaping. Um, and $10 million a year in commercial landscaping. And, all of it, and there's a, a, a program in the United States called H-2B Visa where um, generally mm -hmm. migrants from Mexico come to the U.S. and help out with 
landscaping, um, and agricultural work. Generally, about 80,000 um, people get these visas, and um, President Trump decided um, to cut the program and only allow 30,000 of the 80,000, and I believe those are rough numbers. And so mm -hmm. overnight, all the commercial landscapers that we're used to for the last 20 or 30 years getting uh, their Mexican labor, which is very savvy, very productive, it yep. just didn't happen for half of them. Instantly, overnight, that industry was in a recession. Um, everybody wow. involved in the industry was in a recession because they now had to try to hire and train people that they've never worked with before to go use large commercial mowers, um, which are big dangerous pieces of equipment, um, to try to do the work. And if you had had a plan B for how you would react to um, that program being shut down, you could have dominated the market. Because if you had 100 people on standby that you could have put on mowers to replace all the Mexican migrants that didn't um, show up, you would have owned the industry, been able to buy other companies, or at least um, to take away their best accounts. But yeah. from what I uh, understand, nobody had a plan. So everybody shared in the pain, and then most uh, of the, the pain was passed on to the customers, which just didn't get mm. service um, like they were expecting. So ultimately, it's just, um, again, um, that, that government regulation change can really put you in a recession. The other one is if you're an entrepreneur and you lose your biggest customer, then you're in a recession. Regardless of what's going on in the economy, it doesn't matter if the economy is growing gangbusters. If you lose your biggest client and they were 10% or more of your revenue, then probably that's going to put you into a tailspin. What if your five best employees leave? and they go across the street and start a competing company trying to get to a billion before you do. Mm. Or what if you discover, I'm guessing this may have happened to some people in your audience, what if you discover that your um, accountant or one of your employees was embezzling money from you? Oh, and they yeah. siphoned off, I don't know, 2000 5000 10000 $100,000, a million. Yeah, they had to you're in a recession it. regardless. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So having this recession plan being ready to rock the recession isn't just about economic recession. So even if you don't agree with me that we're probably going to likely have some sort of event in the next 12 months, it's still important to have a plan so that you can just execute that plan instead of spending the first couple months of the recession curled up in the fetal position because that was, that was what I did. That was my plan. It was no plan. My gyms, um, people stopped coming. People didn't want personal training in the Great Recession, and I didn't have a plan. So it took me two months of uh, borrowing money from my mother-in-law in order for me to survive the Great Recession. Mm. And that was a big catalyst for why I ultimately studied this, wrote the book, and then um, I'm doing this because nobody should have to borrow money from their mother-in-law. I know that's right, man. That is, that is right, right there. Yeah, I got beat up in a recession, lost four houses, and my problem was I tried to become a savvy investor when I become a savvy businessman, so I, I couldn't compensate when I made bad investments. That was my major problem. I had to fix that. Well, 
Last half of this leg is on you, brother. You didn't drop it. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't slaughtered us with this good information. I'm out your way, man. This is Jonathan <laughs> Slane show. You got it. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I think yeah. So the um, I think the last um, the the last point I want to make here is that you've got these four gears of the uh, the recession model. So you want to benchmark where you are. That's your your first step is to go to recession.com um, slash ready, um, or you can just get to it from the homepage. You can take the 20-question assessment. You get the score. All that stuff is free. Um, and then you can see where you stand versus uh, other entrepreneurs. And we've had um, we've had the, the, the average score right now is a 38. So mm-hmm. out of everybody who's taken it, and I have all my live audiences because I do a lot of keynote presentations yeah. for companies and organizations, I have all those audiences take it live. Um, so I'll speak in front of 100, 200, 300, 500 people. Everybody in the audience will take that assessment, and we'll talk about it. Or a lot of people find out about it through the book, uh, and they'll go take the assessment, or they'll just find it organically online. The average score is 38. So out of 100, uh, people have 38 so far, which means that most companies, most people taking this are not prepared to rock the next recession. They're not looking forward to it. They're just trying to figure out how to survive. So that's the first piece is, you know, get ready. And I wasn't able to find – the reason we did the, the assessment is because I read every research paper that you can read about recessions. That's why I know about, like, you should spend more on marketing in a recession because I read all the academic research. And nobody's done academic research on recession readiness, so we don't know. That's why I thought, you know, if I started gathering that data now, then we can yeah. figure out after the next recession if a 38 correlates with a company being ready or not ready. Mm-hmm. Although... I, my hypothesis is that if you're yeah. at a 38 out of 100, you're probably not going to enjoy the downturn. You're probably not going to look forward to it. You're probably not going to crush the next crash. You're probably going to get crushed by it. So the mm-hmm. second thing you do is you tune up. That's where we talked about how you're going to stress test your business and your personal life. How much debt do you have? How much credit do you have available to you? Uh, what, what are you doing with your personal guarantees to make sure that you're ready? If you're um, working for a company, I think earlier we talked about that six-figure employee that wants to take it mm-hmm. to the next level, how ready is your company? You know, How do you feel about your prospects and your company's prospects in the next recession? If you're working for De Beers and you're um, working on diamonds and high-end jewelry, how do you feel about that? How do you think that's going to play out? If you're working for yeah. Carnival Cruises, how do you feel that that's going to play out? What are you seeing the leadership of the company doing to prepare so that in a recession you can be an acquirer of other companies instead of a company that's acquired? So that's what I would be thinking about um, from that same point. Third is, you know, all that it's the race stuff that we talked about, third gear. That was like when you said earlier, man, right now I'm working to improve my distribution channel so that I can really um, put the hammer down the recession. That's what you want to do um, before the recession hits is just get get in the race. You've got to get uh, everything productive. You've got to get your systems and processes down so that in fourth gear you can just stomp on the gas and pounce. 
you can really accelerate past the competition. If all that stuff that we've talked about doesn't work, then you've got to have an emergency break. The emergency break is my fancy way of saying a plan for if all the stuff that we're talking about today didn't work. So if you're sitting there and you're going, look, all that's great, but, you know, it's my situation that um, my business is in a recession already or I live in a country that's in recession, like right now South Africa I know is in a recession. If you're in one of those countries or your business um, you know, you had one of those things happen, like you just found out somebody embezzled from you. You need to have an emergency break. And that means having a plan that's laid out on paper um, before the recession so that you're not emotional when you're making these decisions. Because I know that when I was going through the Great Recession, it was emotional. It wasn't yeah. very logical, the decision-making. So right now in the cool, rational light of day, say, look, my business does – $100,000 a month. If I saw that slide to 90000 here are all the expenses I would cut. If I saw that slide to 80000 then I would cut all these expenses. If I saw it slide to seventy, then these are the people that I would have to let go of. And if I saw my revenue slide from 100000 a month to 50000 a month, then these are the things I would do to just keep the business going to make sure I survive the recession and can then um, come back through it. So that, that plan needs to be in place now. It's called the emergency break. Um, that's part of the um, all the stuff in the book, too, uh, is to have that. I didn't have an emergency break in the Great Recession, and as a result, I ended up borrowing um, 250000 bucks from my mother-in-law in order to survive. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and the uh, the worst part, Antonio, is that it wasn't mm-hmm. all at once. It was like, oh, yeah. yeah, it was it was like twelve phone calls. Because I needed about, <laughs> oh, that's even yeah. worse. Yeah. Oh, I needed about, God. I needed about. <laughs> it's, it's funny now because I paid her back, so now it's right. funny, and, and we're all good. I'm going there for Thanksgiving. Uh, I think it's a lot <laughs> closer. But, you wouldn't have been there for Thanksgiving if you did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the, the, the paying her back helps. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, but yeah, so that's twelve phone calls groveling for money because uh, about twenty grand was how much we needed to make payroll uh, yep. between all of our locations. So I, I say that because if I had had an emergency break, yep. then maybe yep. I would have cut myself off earlier, or I would have made tough decisions earlier. Yep. Uh, I had a lot of family working in the business. That would have protected me to be able to go to them and say, look, we are at 50% of our usual revenue, um, mm. and here's the plan. is just that we can't afford to have uh, anybody on the payroll except for these people. But I didn't have that. So it was yeah. all emotional. It was all personal. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. And it's 12 times you underestimated what it would take for you to get out that recession. Ugh, yeah, correct. Terrible. Right. Right. Yeah, right. I'm I'm surprised. Right around the the I don't know the seventh or eighth check, you think there um <laughs> there would have been something, but um in any case, uh, it was rough, man. It was rough. It was rough, that, man. That was, was rough, rough, but we we got our payback. My brother-in-law um, still owns that business. I no longer um, I'm a partner in the gym. My brother-in-law bought that business from me. And now uh, I'm just running around the country doing um, Rock the Recession keynotes and then doing right. consulting for uh, 
for companies um, that that want to uh, rock the next recession. So if that's the case these days. Well, we've enjoyed you, man. At least you didn't have to lose four, four or five houses like I did and embarrass yourself, right? But, you know, <laughs> but, you, but you lost $250,000 and had to embarrass yourself. So we're the same boat. That's definitely, man. Any final words that you want to part with our audience, man? You, you're more than welcome to say how you want to get, how they can get in contact with you. But you can be motivational, inspirational, or informative. It's totally up to you, buddy. Yeah, I, if um... – People can, of course, get the book on Amazon. Um, if you just put recession in, um, the book pops right up. And then recession.com is the website if people want to uh, see all the stuff that I do. Or if you just want to go on there and get your recession readiness score, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, there's a workbook, uh, a Rock the Recession workbook. Um, and then if you uh, if you want, I can do a discount code for the audience that's listened this far into the episode. Or you can put in the show notes. And we can give them like sure. half off yeah. the uh, the workbook, so can we can we can hook people up with that too. Um, and then I think the, the the my final thought is that I wrote the book, and I'm running around the world talking about how to rock the recession because mm-hmm. I want people to think through how could you prepare for it so that yeah. you can really uh, not have to follow the traditional model of just working hard for 20 years, for 30 years, of having to grind it out, of having to always have a side hustle. What if you followed the path of those um, that prepared for the next downturn and that leveraged the opportunities that come with that disruption? Mm -hmm. So there's a great amount of opportunity, but they only come about once uh, once uh, once in a while. Like I said earlier, 11 of them since the end of World War II, they only last a short duration. Um, They last between six months is the shortest one since World War II, and 18 months uh, is the longest one that was the Great Recession. So you've got to be prepared to pounce because once they're already announcing it on CNN, on Fox, on CNBC that we're in a recession, it's going to be too late because all the people that are prepared are going to pounce on the assets. They're going to pounce on the companies. Um, and the top talent, and then by the time you figure it out, we're going to be out of the recession, and you're going to need to be worrying about how you're going to rock the recovery. So, again, I I, I know it's hard for people to to spend the time preparing, but that's why so few people do it, and that's why so few people 10x their businesses. Beautiful, beautiful. I just bought the book just now as you were talking from Amazon. I couldn't help myself because although I'm ready for the recession, I want to get more ready. And you drop way too much knowledge for me not to grab this book, man. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Man, I appreciate you, brother. If you want to come back, I mean, you're so good at this. If you want to come back, you're more than welcome. Just reach out, and we can do this again and again and again as far as I'm concerned, man. I really appreciate you, and I hope you have everything that you want. Fair enough? Fair enough. Rock on, man. Hope the audience rocks on, and I will, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. Okay, buddy. Thank you. I have felt so much in life. I've been so evil. I've done everything in life to mess it up, and I have. I have completely messed this life up. And then I changed. And then I started applying things that I didn't know but I always knew 
You call it the law of attraction. Or maybe you don't. Or maybe you're religious and maybe you're not. Here is what I know. I know that we all have a karmic debt to pay off. And I have either paid mine off or almost off. And now I dedicate my entire life to you. Please know that as my life is dedicated to you, it means I get beat up a lot. But that's what this is about. It's about people like me putting their gains at risk for you. The crazy thing about life is once we get enough, whatever enough means, if you're a politician, it's enough votes, someone likes money, enough money, whatever enough is, a pastor, enough members, we tend to protect it. This podcast is not about protection, it is about you. I sincerely believe in you. I know you're going to be it. I know you're going to do it. Whatever that is for you. There are no mistakes. I want you to share this podcast, but not for personal gain. I want you to share it because I am giving you my every being. So you can turn around and do the same for others. I give away me. And then you give away you. I lower me so you can stand on my shoulders and then you return the favor and you lower yourself so someone else will stand on your shoulders and then voila. No one is lower than the other because we've all lowered ourselves. Finally, the music in this podcast that you're going to hear, I hope it gets stuck in your head. It's actually from my favorite movie, Cloud Atlas. It's the cover, it's not the original version, but it sounds just like it. Cloud Atlas is a great movie by the Wachowskis. My second favorite movie is The Matrix, but that has nothing to do with this right now. It is about repeating the same mistakes. And so I'm hoping subconsciously that as you repeat the same mistakes, Cloud Atlas is mostly about ascending from those mistakes. So I'm hoping the words, the music, the melody, everything helps you ascend to where you're supposed to be, which is where you've always agreed you wanted to be before you got there. I love you. This is the Secret to Success Law of Attraction. I really, really know that this will be a blessing, a lifesaver to many people. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can't plan better. You can dominate. When the pandemic began, I had the biggest problem in the world, not making money. The pandemic was actually quite a blessing for me as it almost made me a billionaire. I came really close. So the pandemic was a blessing. It was hiring people. And get this, everybody. I had 48 job positions open during the pandemic. $22 an hour with paid training. And I could not find 
a single person for two years to fit any of those 48 job positions. Hear me well. 48 job positions, $22 an hour, paid training, and I couldn't find someone, not one person, for those job positions. Now, is it because I hire slowly? True, but it's because I wasn't using ZipRecruiter, and that's a fact. I wasn't getting to the right people for the right position to fit my right culture. And there are so many different things that you can do this summer. As a matter of fact, you can free up as much time as you want to. But if you're not using ZipRecruiter, you're probably not going to free up that time if you're attempting to hire people. So what is ZipRecruiter? What is probably the greatest job finder that's out there? And that's why you need ZipRecruiter. You need it so you can find the right candidates. Now, it's not that ZipRecruiter helps you find jobs. It's more accurately that ZipRecruiter takes your culture, takes your job, takes what you're looking for, and immediately matches them with the perfect candidate. And if the, if it's, if they can't find a perfect candidate, they will skip over that person and then give you the perfect candidate for you. ZipRecruiter uses one of its most powerful tools, which is the technology itself, to match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review uh, their recommendations and easily review their recommended candidates and invite these candidates to apply for your top positions. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy for you to filter out uh, review and rate candidates four out of five employees uh, have been used by four out of five employers on ZipRecruiter it is a blessing and no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one hiring site in the world based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of this year, January 1st. My friends, soak up everything I said. It's not an ad. This is a personal testimony of how I found the right people to sit in the right seat on the right bus. Without ZipRecruiter, it wouldn't have been possible. So how do you take advantage of what I'm talking about, well, you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B, all spelled the regular way. That's Zip, Z-I-P, Recruiter, R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R, ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B, and I promise you, you will be grateful that you did so. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. It's also in the show notes.